All right. So we have Professor Latinx podcast. And today we have Mintu, Rachel and Casey. Um, we're going to talk about Batman Begins. And we're going to, of course, deal with issues like race and uh, gender, sexuality, um, you know, differently abled um, see where we go with this. So, yeah, Batman Begins. I mean, maybe one of the the best um, DC movies kind of recreated comics um, out, um, I would maybe argue, right? Um, so aesthetically, we all agree, wow, this is a great movie. But, yeah, let's talk about issues of, like, race right out of the gate. Um, what's it, what is it doing, Rachel? What do you? Uh, I have such a complicated history with this film because Batman in general, like, the whole Batman, like, mythos was so formative to me. Like, in high school, that was, like, my thing. Like, I was in a web design class, and I made my final project be a whole thing about the Bat family. So it's very close to my heart, and I love the movies in high school as well. But then coming back to revisit them, I just notice so many of the missteps that they do in areas of like race, gender, sexuality that just made me so frustrated, especially with just the pervading sense of the foreign invader and how they have, they frame his like rebirth be in this like Asian setting with like the prison and understanding this criminal mind and everything. And then it's revealed to be like a white person the whole time, even though he's, that's a whole other thing as well. But, um, uh, then when it's revealed that they're actually coming into Gotham and they're trying to, you know, because Gotham's without saving and all of that, it's kind of the Asian threat narrative and all of that again. And that was just so frustrating to me because of like how you said earlier, it's such a good film in the terms of just like really well written and shot and the sound is incredible. But then there are just those moments that just make me sigh and shake my head in sadness. Oh my goodness, Rachel, you just like covered all these things. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Casey, do you want to jump in maybe uh, some areas that you, you know, were also frustrated with or excited about? Yeah, I thought they portrayed um, Asian American people in like a negative light. It was like they're criminal and the only times that you saw them in the scenes were when they were doing like malicious things or trying to deceive or deconstruct and things like that and um, I just thought it perpetuated a lot of negative stereotypes um, for the race and I was disappointed by that I was also disappointed how race in the movie was very homogenous mm -hmm. um, it was mostly white people and then with the presentation of like mafia members they were all Italian just giving into a lot of different stereotypes and I was like Okay, um, but as far as like comic book to film, I think they did the one-to-one -one translation very well. It usually does not work well, and it was one aspect where it was like, wow, this is very cutting edge. At the time, in 2005, it was like, we aren't seeing things like this, and so um, it was very impressive, but now looking back, it's like you can see the fault, and it kind of like tears your heart a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, something you see really often, like, I don't know why, but, like, in Doctor Strange and Iron Man and also Batman Begins, like, the main character goes into another country, usually it's an Eastern country, and then they discover themselves. And that, like, it's, like, it happens so often, and I don't understand why, because it seems like they're choosing to use this Eastern country as, like, an aesthetic and like mm -hmm. using their styles of fighting as an aesthetic for the main character because it looks cool but then they don't allow any of the actual Asian characters to have agency in the actual story mm -hmm. and it's really more like of a background than anything else. 
Okay, so my goodness, would we go so far as to say then that it's kind of perpetuating that Orientalist aesthetic that mm-hmm. we've talked mm-hmm. about? Yeah, I like, like you you always see um, like white superheroes fighting each other with like Japanese swords and like wearing the like Asian garb and stuff like that, but it doesn't dive further into the actual Asian culture. And like, mm-hmm. I'd be fine if like there was another Asian character there who had agency in the story and was actually important rather than like just the look um, like being put into this character or something like that to yeah. give them a, to give them more credibility, I guess. Yeah, no, I know what you guys are talking about. So the rebirth, right? The rebirth of the, the white kind of superhero protagonist happening in that exotic other space, right? Um, and we're kind of seeing it all the time, right? All the time. And kind of doing the martial arts better than. Exactly, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, let's talk about that space, the prison, the prison scene in Batman Begins. And, you know, what that means in terms of kind of like whiteness and de- kind of deconstruction and then reconstruction in and around this kind of Asian uh, you know, space, you know, pr- even prison space, right? Um, there's all sorts of th- kind of things happening, I think. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting, especially with kind of the narration that led up to it, because the crime that he, you know, committed to then get to that space, that narration over that was like, you know, I studied with the criminals or whatever, but I never became one of them. And so then that kind of leads you to assume that he's there, but he shouldn't be because everyone else there who is an Asian prison prison with Asian people, they're the criminals and they're supposed to be there. But he's not supposed to be there because he's not actually a criminal. He's just, you know, putting on that disguise for the day to understand it, but not actually be one of them. And that I found a little odd, that like very like dichotomous look at criminal nature or criminals. And if you do this thing, are you a criminal? Are you not? And he's saying like, I'm not, but I'm with them. And the space that he's occupying is an Asian one. So that kind of felt a little off to me. A lot of times he is the exception to like yeah. everything. He is the other, even though he embodies like these negative things so this is kind of moving past like the prison scene but when he was in the hotel and he was being very pretentious he was like oh i'm buying this hotel like i can do whatever i want um the women who are with me they can jump in the pool if they want to because i have all this money and this whiteness and you'll respect it because that's it and then um somebody checks him on it and he's like oh no 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 that's not actually me um this is just an act but like you're acting this way and that also says something and um a lot of times he grapples with definitions of being a vigilante and like what his moral compass is but um it's always like i'm above all that i'm trying not to be and so then what is he Mm, that's really interesting so let's push i think let's push or ask a little bit more about this idea of bruce wayne as kind of emblematic of whiteness and privilege that's not being questioned um, that's even celebrated on a certain level, mm-hmm. right? And the fragmented kind of self, the other self, say, the, you know, Batman, the darkness, but Batman as still anchored in and formed through otherness, right? Otherness, right? Um, whether it's that kind of space of Asia, you know, and the martial arts training and then the kind of overcoming fear, mm. or the moment in the cave where he embraces the bats, Mm -hmm. right? 
Yeah, so less about Batman versus Bruce Wayne and more maybe whiteness and then darkness or otherness. Trauma. Yeah. yeah. It's like um, on one side, he's Bruce Wayne and he's celebrated by his whole community in his city because he owns most of it and his name is on everything. And um, that's celebrated because in the society that they create, it's like a dramatization of like economic depression. And so it's like crabs in a barrel effect. But when you have those shining stars who have wealth and who still have... I don't know, influence and things like that that's celebrated. But then when he flips into Batman, he becomes a part of that like street level destruction. And he uses the things he learned from Asian culture um, to, I don't know, build a city also in his image, even though it already is in his image because he owns it. Um, So it's like it's still a privilege within the things that he's trying to do. So I I I struggled with trying to connect to his character because it is just so much privilege and wealth and influence. Even though you're trying to relate to a struggle, you don't really know because when you take off the suit, you're back to affluence. Yeah, no, I definitely thought a lot about that in terms of like the privilege and the wealth and class in the movie Mm -hmm. because there's this weird framing of capitalism in the film and there's this weird kind of notion of that we see a lot in media but it's especially prominent in this of there's the good capitalist and the bad capitalist and we have to prove ourselves to be the good capitalist who takes care of like Falcone who would be the bad capitalist and they kind of do that same thing with like the police force where they have the good cop of like uh, Jim Gordon where they have the good cop and then the bad cops and they do this really kind of just very binary thing of here's a corrupt system and we're going to highlight one good person from Mm -hmm. this corrupt system to then show that the system is worth it and that there's not any systematic issues at fault it's an individualized problem rather than a systemic issue and Mm -hmm. I didn't I felt like they really didn't address that at all and they just kind of chose their shining star like you were saying who like wow he owns the town he's the good capitalist because he loves the town Mm -hmm. and like I don't know that kind of just seemed very service level to me on that front the narrows, right? The narrows. So talking, let's like run with socioeconomics here. Always cast in the shadows, right? And this is the poor right part of Gotham. And the kind of Bruce Wayne, W. Wayne building is, you know, cast in the kind of light, right? The skyscrapers and the enlightened part of the city, right? So even on that level, we're, ta- we're seeing you know, uh, distinctions made between like the poor and the dark, even if it's white folks, right, in the narrows that are being shown to us, it's still the poor, right? And it's always cast in the sort of dark, in fact, literally, right, with the kind of... With the lighting, yeah, it's dark. Mm -hmm. Um, I definitely think it further stigmatizes like, like people who are suffering from homelessness or like people in poverty are scary and they should be avoided and they're like out to take our money and like commit crime and stuff like that. I think it further stigmatizes that, but also with the like the whole concept of Arkham Asylum and like the crazies being in there, it mm-hmm. also like makes you think that having mental illness makes you dangerous and mm-hmm. like you should avoid these people who have mental illness rather than trying to understand like where it comes from. And it uses mental illness as like an antagonist and a force that turns people into antagonists yeah yeah i i agree with you totally um i think 
with the character of Scarecrow, um, just the fear tactic drawing on people's innermost traumas and bringing them to light drives them to a mental break that causes them ultimately to be criminal and create these um, destructions within the city. And it also, yes, it criminalizes mental health. It tells you to be afraid of it, to turn away from it, and to push it out. That's what Batman serves to do Mm -hmm. as people are corrupting the city with their mental breakdowns, let's say with their mental illnesses. Um, He seeks to drive that out and put a stop to it. So then where's the actual care? There's just Arkham as just like a containing unit. Wow. Really smart stuff. Um, Yeah. Really doesn't do much to overturn the mainstream idea, misconception and prejudice toward um, poor people, mm-hmm. uh, homeless people, right? In fact, they become almost right zombified and kind of, like you guys were saying, the ones that are going to threaten to rip civilization apart, right? Um, all right, well, gosh, um, hitting a lot of stuff here, gender, gender, <laughs> you know. So, you know, we have Katie Holmes, uh, you know, um, appearing and, um, you know, Later, of course, we heard Tom Cruise didn't allow her to appear, right, in Dark Knight. Tom Cruise, right, that went against his Scientological beliefs or whatever they are. Um, But yeah, Katie Holmes as the sort of love interest here. Um, Rachel, you want to launch us? I just, uh, that, it's just so lazy. Like, they really just, like, because I'm thinking of with, uh, with Rachel Dawes, I think is her last name, Um, with her, just straight up damsel in distress they try to give her this like one moment where she tases the bad guys because she's strong and then that just doesn't end up doing anything and it's just their little like lampshade moment of no look we're giving her some agency but not really and they totally just incapacitate her and just make her be this force that is set there for bruce to lust after and you know and it's almost inspiration porn in a way as well because his she is his only reason to be true and be good and have that phrase about like it's your actions that show who you are because that's what she had told him and that's kind of his like driving force to do this. I was just very tired by all of it and it was just it just felt like it just felt so old. Like even though, you know, what 2005 was when this was, like that's even for 2005 that feels like an old treatment of gender and a really just backwards way of treating female characters. Right. Um it was definitely like a like Bruce gets the girl and then he loses the girl like several times throughout the movie and like like you're supposed to be wanting Bruce to get the girl and you're supposed to see that as like a success and she's supposed to be like she was kind of treated as an object for him to win back or something like like through his character arc he was supposed to win her back um by becoming Batman or whatever but like yeah I definitely also thought it was very lazy and um like I like it was just something you saw over and over again in movies like around that time and still now even but um yeah I she like didn't talk to any other women in the movie I think that totally fails like what's it called the Bechdel Bechdel test test. yeah and it's so easy but so many movies fail it and like there's literally no other like named female yeah like she was just there for his gain yeah exactly yeah they um they don't do much with her character. They just set her there for Bruce to like 
play with, basically. And I think that it's very disappointing that they didn't um, give her complexity within the job that she does because it is very, I'm guessing, influential. I saw in her potential that it was very influential. Um, she was working in like the court system and she was questioning judgment and corruption and she was seeing the systematic faults of the whole city of Gotham and then it just kind of goes nowhere and she becomes another one of the people in Gotham who look to Batman as its lone savior and it becomes the damsel in distress effect like you all said and um I just I get really tired of women not being able to be the Batman like why can't there be a Batwoman why can't women take the charge and make change in their cities and their community and policy and things like that I just think that it was very um very lazy like you all said yeah and it's such a lost opportunity because there are so many female characters like in the bat family that they could have brought in or they're had, not yeah, yeah and they're, they're, and they're, they're just like oh no we're just not going to mm-hmm. like missed opportunity yeah there's sort of the big gesture at the end right where um we're gonna sacrifice romance we're gonna sacrifice the romance for the greater good right but in a way it's putting romance right this sort of straight romance at the end even higher on a pedestal, right? We have to sacrifice this in order mm-hmm. f- for us to do good in the world, right? Um, so, yeah, all sorts. Let me let me draw us back a little bit to intersectionality or or race and and sort of you know sexuality or desire or or coupling. Um, remember what he gives um, Rachel. Um, when he comes out of the well, right? He's fallen into the cave, basically, and he comes out. Do you remember it was like a, an arrow yeah. arrowhead? Yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting, right? In a way, the whole like, what does that tell us? What what is what is at the foundation, the sort of subtext, the subterranean sort of message here that somehow, sort of indigeneity, otherness, is actually the kind of un- undergirding this entire journey, right? This epic, heroic journey, right? Say more. (laughs) You know, I just, and of course it's not, it's just there as a token. It's there as a symbol that's very briefly kind of exchanged that connects the two, Rachel and Bruce, as children and sort of symbolizes their kind of connection. But what does it tell us about sort of indigeneity, cultures of our indigenous ancestors um you know kind of rooted at the or the source of a journey that's a journey basically of a white guy Hmm, like artifacts in history um being like the inspiration for self-discovery in the future in the present you mean Yeah. yeah um i think it's kind of what we said going back to um indigenous or non-American white cultures to create a further understanding of the existence that's had now, the systems that work currently, um, the, I don't know, the evilness that can be brooded through whiteness and just saying, like, I think Bruce tries to displace the fact that he is white and wealthy and i think that he does that through the exploration of other cultures like when he goes to asia um as he uses the arrowhead to spark his journey into transformation i think he does that through the exploration of people in 
other socioeconomic statuses that are lower than his. I think he does that through um, collaborating with people who don't look like him. And he's just trying to say, like, I'm not this white person Mm -hmm. that has this privilege. And, like, I'm like you, but you're really not. And I think there's a disconnect in that. And that's why... um, myself and other people who I've talked to, people in my family, other people of color, can't connect to the character of Batman because he just seems inaccessible. Um, yeah. Yeah, like, even though he tries to, like, be a part of, like, the other, he, it, the way that the movie is written and how he acts, it just, it, it just, like, it, to me, I understand it as, like, yes, all, all these other cultures and all these other different experiences exist, but, like, the idea of like the white male like the rich white male is still like the only thing that exists and it's like it's like the main thing that is relevant and there are other cultures but those are just like there they're just there in service too yeah and when like he needs to go out like that they serve they have served their purpose Mm -hmm. and he comes back to where like where like his whiteness is the main stage. Yeah, and I think it's interesting in the context of what you're saying with like the indigeneity and the arrowhead in the terms of like how you come to a space and of connecting the arrowhead and the indigenous space to Bruce's Bruce the Wayne family history of Gotham and how it's never framed as like, you know, like our culture is here and we've been here for so long. It's like we bought this place. We've, mm-hmm. you know, we always have like the Wayne Tower which the elephant in the room it very obviously reminds of trump tower (laughs) and it the space is very much centered as a place of capitalism and of wealth and our family's been here because the money's been here rather than an arrowhead with indigeneity and a culture within a space and i thought that kind of difference was interesting as well going along with what you guys were talking about in like he cannot escape his whiteness as much as he may try to or like try to kind of be elusive from it he just cannot Mm -hmm. Lucius Fox. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So we're talking about kind of serving. And, you know, I have, a, you know, I love Morgan Freeman, right? He's he's great. And um, that sort of gravitas of his acting. Um, but at the same time, I wonder, you know, people might celebrate the fact that we finally, you know, we have a, a, a black man, right, on the screen, but there's maybe a lot else that we can go <laughs> He on. only serves a white man. He's making costumes and he's making modifications to the suit of Batman, um, which helps Bruce Wayne appropriate other cultures. Yeah. <laughs> and then he only, he gets fired, Morgan Freeman gets fired from his position, and that's kind of like a slap in the face to him, but he only gets it back because of a handout from a white man, Bruce Wayne again yeah and in the like in his service to Bruce he becomes almost like the magical negro trope of being the only one that can provide you know all of his suit tech and all of this Mm -hmm. stuff because he's like the only guy down there who's doing any of that and he just like gives him a pass because he's base jumping or whatnot so it even leans into that trope as well yeah you're only there because you have value and I think with his presence in the movie his blackness is not talked about it's not celebrated in a way um he is just a servant basically yeah i know and uh the subterranean right keep him keep him mm-hmm. down in the basement until mm-hmm. of course there's sort of proven worthy mm-hmm. within as rachel said a kind of you know and the good capitalism mm-hmm. right the beneficent p- capitalism the the master 
right? Saying it's okay to come into the master's house now, right? Mm. Wow. Okay. Well, we covered a ton here. Um, I hate to say it, uh, Chris Nolan. We think you did, a, you know, a great movie here, but um, we can do better. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, thanks all of you for being on Professor Latinx. Thank you. <laughs>